0: This is the Action Network Podcast.
1: Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook, special edition of Payoff Pitch on the Action Network podcast. Of course, Payoff Pitch is our Action Network MLB betting podcast, but we come to you on the Action Network podcast today for Home Run Derby and American League, National League, All-Star Game matchup, which takes place on Tuesday, July 11th. Brendan Glasheen joined by Sean Zarillo and Anthony DeBundo. Uh, Gentlemen, great to be talking to you. We are actually separated by five feet apiece. We are in New York for a meeting. So folks at home, we figured this was better than nothing as far as getting a podcast out to the people hours before the All-Star festivities that get underway. So thank you for your patience, for those of you that are tuning into the festivities in Seattle. So we won't waste any time. We'll dive right in. We're going to get to Home Run Derby first. Then we'll look to the All-Star game. And uh, we'll work from there. We're presented by FanDuel today, so we'll be, have all of our odds and uh, all that good stuff presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Sean Zerillo, hi.
0: What do you got? Yeah, for Home Run Derby, favorite bet. Uh, Julio Rodriguez in the first round at about plus 140 over Pete Alonso. Alonzo, obviously two-time Derby champion. But in my lifetime, there's three Derby performances that if, you know, I just think about the Home Run Derby, if somebody mentions the Home Run Derby to me, says... Give me the three most memorable performances of your lifetime in the home run derby. The first would be Mark McGuire at Fenway when he was juiced out of his mind. Uh, (laughs) But he had 13 home runs in the first round, put a couple over uh, the green monster, got a couple close to the best turnpike out there. I mean, that was just uh, absolutely stunning to watch as a teenager, preteen. The next would be Josh Hamilton at Yankee Stadium hitting balls nearly out of Yankee Stadium. And the third was Julio Rodriguez last year, hitting 62 home runs combined in the first two rounds. What all three of those guys have in common is the fact that none of them actually won the home run derby. They all put up wildly impressive first rounds and then probably gassed themselves out, hitting home, so many home runs in the first round. And Julio's case, hitting so many home runs in the first two rounds. But that said, Julio, you know, looking at the advanced metrics, how hard both Julio and the rest of the field hit the ball he ranks second in terms of peak exit velocity. And, you know, maximum exit velocity, peak exit velocity is when you see a guy achieve a new max exit velocity, it's a very good indicator of overall power expectations or overall power potential. So when you have guys like Giancarlo who are typically, you know, at the top of the league in peak exit velocity, right? Not just average exit velocity, but how hard they're able to hit the ball at its peak, it just shows you their overall raw power upside. Pete Alonzo in this field actually ranks closer to average. Julio Rodriguez is in the top two players, along with Vlad Guerrero Jr. So the fact that you have Guerrero, who's been dominant in derbies in the past, Pete Alonso has been dominant in derbies in the past, and Julio Rodriguez, who put on one of the most impressive derby performances ever last year, all on the same side of the bracket, I think it really leaves it open for the left-hand side of the bracket for somebody from there to potentially win and have an easier path. I think Julio actually has the easy or the the most difficult path of all these guys in this derby because he has to take out Vlad and Pete just to make the finals, but comparing them straight up, Julio is the better metrics on paper. I know Pete has performed well in derbies in the past, but Julio has, as I said, done one of the most impressive things that I've ever seen in a derby. One thing I want to mention too, Pete Alonso was injured. He had a wrist injury uh, in June, and because the Mets have been struggling, they kind of rushed him back, or it seemed like he rushed himself back Since coming back from that injury, Pete is hitting 153 with a 265 on base and a 361 slug. Uh, His four home runs and 83 plate appearance, he had not seemed fully healthy. I was actually surprised that he was participating in this derby. Now, this does remind me a little bit of Juan Soto last year, who seemed to be injured coming into the derby and ended up winning it. So take away from that what you will. I just think Julio Rodriguez in the first round against Pete Alonso, plus 140 is a bit underrated. I think this should be closer to pick him. So going to take J-Rod at plus 140 upset the two-time derby champion and one of my favorite players the polar bear as my best bet uh we could talk about you know the the other half of the bracket uh in a minute but curious to hear anthony's thoughts on this derby as well
1: yeah real quick just to kind of map this out i know most folks have probably gotten to this already but it's alonzo rodriguez the two seven they get the winner of bets guerrero which is the three six respectively and at the top of the bracket uh robert is the number one seed uh rutschman the eight Garcia and a Reina, four and five respectively. So that's how it, it breaks down for the Derby. I, always, I keep reminding myself that they, they've got the, the bracket form these days. Um, go ahead to Bundo. What do you got?
2: Yeah, I agree with Zarillo on, on Alonso and, and being concerned about him coming into this. He only has five barrels since coming back uh, and his barrel rates well below 10%. Uh, so you're not seeing the same quality of batted balls with Pete uh, that you saw prior to injury and in years past. And I actually think, you know, trying to price this out is pretty difficult in in the sense that like there is a lot of variability. And the biggest one is the pitcher quality. We just don't know necessarily how good the pitching is going to be from some of these guys. And I think Alonso and Guerrero are almost a little overvalued off of their history in this competition. Uh, And with him, those two, and Rodriguez all being on the same half of the draw, I'm actually going to the other side for my pick. I'm going to take Luis Robert. You can find him as high as five to one to win this. Uh, Roberts had a really interesting season in that his strikeout rate is way up and he's been chasing as much as ever. He's never had good plate discipline, but, uh, and and even if you look at his average exit velocity, 89.1 is like pretty below average for this field, pretty average for major league baseball. But if you look at the top end of that profile, the batted balls that he really connects on, he's hitting harder than last year. He's hitting more barrels. His barrel rate has gone up to 15%, which is the second highest in this field behind only, uh, Garcia. Uh, And Robert gets, I think, the most favorable draw to this final where he gets, yes, he's a first-time participant, but he gets Adley Rutschman, who uh, is the longest shot to win this event in the first round, and then potentially Randy Rosarena or Adeliz Garcia in the second round. So it's a pretty favorable draw for him to avoid the three biggest sluggers, in my view, and the three people that uh, should be lined as kind of the favorites uh, with the fact that they all have to play each other and knock each other out before they would potentially play Robert. And the thing with Robert is, you know, if you take out his biggest flaw, which is the chase, like you're not being pitch selective in the home run derby, you're just getting pitches right down the middle. I mean, nobody's done more damage uh, on those kinds of pitches this year than Robert. The problem with his average exit velocity being lower is when he's, you know, using the hit tool to kind of, you know, make weak contact on bad pitches. So uh, Robert for me is my pick five to one, like I said, second highest barrel rate uh, has shown the max EV. 117 in years past. We know, you know, he has the raw power to hit one really far. And I also like under for the longest home run, 490 and a half is the highest number that I see out there right now. I understand that there is some wind blowing out uh tonight to left, which should help, you know, a very righty heavy field uh in this home run derby. But given the relatively low humidity and just the way that Seattle's park plays. Uh 490 seems like an awfully high number to get to for me. And that sounds like a really fun sweat too, given that uh, you know, you're gonna be sweating every home run and hoping that the stat cast doesn't say it went over four hundred ninety-one feet.
1: Uh, right now FanDuel's got it at four eighty-five
2: and a half. Is that playable? That's a little, is that... That, that I would I would shop yeah. around just because there are other numbers out there and it makes a big difference. The this number opened as high as four ninety-two and a half, um, at FanDuel actually, and has been bet down at some books yeah. and, and has been moving around a lot. So uh, definitely shop around for the best number. Every foot counts.
0: I would just want to comment on a few more props too before we leave the home run derby. So total home runs in the first round. Uh, you know, just comparing the domestic markets and the offshore markets, that was heavily juiced to the under offshore. So if you're looking at total home runs in the first round, I would lean under. Uh, the National League versus American League props. Six of these eight hitters are from the National League. If you price that out based on where the betting market has them, they have Pete Alonso at a three to one. And they have um, Mookie bets at about 20 to one combined, their implied probability about 29 and a half to 30%. So the National League should be about minus two thirty. or uh, I should say plus 230, where the National League should be minus 230. You're going to really not find much value in that market. That was something that caught my attention though, because 68 hitters are from the American League. And then lastly, I just want to talk about the left-hand side of the bracket. I think the key matchup, is Adolis Garcia against Randy Rosarena. On paper, they have very comparable metrics. In terms of their peak exit velocities, Garcia, ninety-six percentile, Rosarena, 93rd, Luis Robert, 89. So I actually like one of Garcia or Rosarena to pull the upset, whichever one it is, against Luis Robert in round two. And just Luis Robert, when I was going through this competition, kind of struck me as a guy who is probably either going to win or get upset in the first round by Adley Rutschman. So all of these guys that we've talked about so far, aside from Adley and Betts, all in the 89th percentile or higher for average, or for maximum exit velocity, right? Their raw power potential. Adley Rutschman, 71st percentile. Mookie Betts, 60th percentile. So just in terms of how you compare all of their raw power on paper, I've actually might might make Betts the biggest underdog in the field, you know, the least likely to win it. I think Rutschman should be seventh and, Compared to the the metrics that Robert has, I actually think he has a chance of pulling the upset. So I might sprinkle a little bit on Adley, especially going back to the Pacific Northwest, playing in you know front of a crowd that's going to be pulling for him. But uh, no, it, it's uh, J Rod for me is my winner at plus five fifty, and then I'm going to play him in matchup props with Adolis Garcia and Randy Rosarena. Uh, I believe you can get eleven to 15 to one, respectively on those two to be the finalists, or you know that that group of three to potentially meet up in the finals. But um, the outright props Julio over. Adolius is twenty to one. Julio over Rosarena is third to one. So I hit both of those as well.
1: All right, excellent. Why don't we? uh, And you know, I just I kind of laugh when DeBundo mentioned every foot counts. Like a week ago, everyone was betting on hot dog totals, and now we're betting on (laughs) feet and home runs. It's just kind of you know, every foot does count. Uh, Moving on to the All Star game. Again, games in Seattle as we know. Uh, Tuesday night, eight o'clock Eastern time. National League is the underdog in the spot, plus 102 on the money line at FanDuel. American League, favorite at minus 120. We know that the notable injuries, I mean, there's injuries both ways, but American League, no Otani, no Aaron Judge, no Mike Trout. Um, Went on my spiel on Friday about that whole thing to Bundo, as you remember. Um, But Zerillo, how do you look at this game with some key, some bigger names, like names that folks must see box,
0: box office, as Stephen A. Smith says, um, being out for this game? Yeah, so I project the National League's as slight favorites here. I made the minus 102. You can get plus money on them right now. I'd bet them down to plus 102. You know, normally I like for a 2% edge on a typical baseball game. Here, I'm willing to lower that price target to about 1%, even a half a percent just to have some action on the all-star game. But I do make the National League's slight favorites. In terms of how I project this game out, the National League starters defensively are better than the American League starters. The National League starters offensively are better than the American League starters. The two benches are relatively comparable, um, both offensively and defensively, but I still lean with the NL players, position players. The one place that the American League has a slight advantage is pitching. Projected the AL ERA at about 348, the NL ERA at about 360. Um, just in terms of where I have roughly the runs per game offensively, right against uh, you know, if I was just to project this out on an average day in seattle against the opposing pitching staff i'd have the nl scoring about 4.2 runs a game and or, and the al scoring anywhere between 3.8 and 4.1 depending if they were facing a righty or a lefty so there's much more variance in the american league lineup in terms of splits uh i think the national league if they are aggressive with their right-handed pitcher, pitcher usage and you know play the matchups correctly they have steal and hater out there. Uh, It doesn't seem like they have too many lefties though. It just looks like those two. So if they play the matchups correctly, get the lefties in against the right lefties on the other side, I think the national league should have an advantage in terms of their position player group. Mike Trout, not being in the all-star game certainly hurts that to a degree for the American Mm -hmm. league. Uh, I believe the AL also lost uh, Aaron judge. So yeah, I mean, two of the best when you just like, I modeled it out, right. Put all the players in my model. But when you really think about it, the advantage that I give the NL over the AL offensively kind of come down to Mike Trout and Aaron Judge not being available in the starting lineup. And the two plate appearances from each, the four plate appearances total out of your 27 outs that you're going to take away from those two guys. So, yeah, I do make the NL slight favorites. I think the biggest fear for me making that bet is Felix Bautista coming into a close game late because you know that that is an automatic shutdown inning for the American League. Felix has been impossible to hit this year. Um, setting strikeout records. And I've started to see some AL Cy Young buzz for Felix Bautista, and I I really don't think it's getting out of hand actually talking about it because of how ridiculous his numbers are. But yeah, it's a free shutdown inning for the AL if it's a tight game late. Uh, That's my my only concern, really, because he's like a, you know, he's a a free pass button for them if they get in a tight spot. But other than that, uh, I think the National League has the advantages. And um, yeah, I think the Trout and Judge injuries actually uh, do have some impact.
1: Yeah, so lefties for the American League are both starters, McClanahan and Valdez. They have no lefties out of the pen.
0: And, and... McClanahan is uh, – McClanahan's off the roster, so that's not even a – yeah, that's not even an uh, issue. Okay. Um, but, yeah, there's like – you know, there's some really bad pitchers potentially in this game. Like Michael Renzen, re- respectfully, like, congrats on making the All-Star game to Michael Renzen. I'm I'm happy he's having a good year. But compared to the other guys on his team –
1: Oh, and Valdez is like, out, too. Sorry. Yeah, so they're both out.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, so the, the American League pitching staff is all right-handed. The NL has a couple of lefties. Um, okay. That, that, you know, that is problematic for the NL, or the, the AL as well, you know, trying to play matchups against, you know, any left-handed bats on the NL lineup. They don't really have the lefties to do it. So, yeah, I, I you know, intuitively that's an advantage, too. Um, but, I you know, I just want to mention, you know, guys like Michael Renzen, Josiah Gray, these are guys whose expected ERAs are closer to four and a half, where everybody else pitching in this game is closer to three and a half. So if one of Gray or Lorenzen comes in, that's a bit hairy because these are guys who I don't think should be pitching in this game. Even Bryce Elder uh, for the National League, you know, expected ERA four and a half and got lit up a little bit by the Rays yesterday. So there's some arms in this game who, if they come in, I'm going to be a little sketched out, especially if I have DNL, um, you know, with with Elder – Josiah I agree, but yeah, I, I would expect the managers to select uh, their most efficient arms and kind of save the guys who are less effective for, uh, you know, emergency situations.
2: Interestingly enough, uh, Elder pitched Sunday, so he's not eligible anymore. And that's a huge benefit yeah. to the National League. Yes. Uh, they lose Elder. They also lost Stroman. Uh And not that I, you know, Marcus Stroman's having a great year and he's a good pitcher, but I, I you know, generally think he's probably worse than most of the, the guys that would come into the game for the National League. So actually the National League got a little bit of a boost getting... Uh, Cobb and Senga in there for Elder and Strowman because I think you could argue that's a that's an upgrade in both spots. Uh, they do lose Spencer Strider, but now Corbin Burns has been picked, and Burns has looked like uh, uh, the it's Reds better. commented that it was the best best stuff they've seen all year on Friday after yeah. he shut them down. Uh, so, you know, the national league did get a little bit of a boost and you mentioned it, no, uh, left-handed arms, I think is going to be a problem potentially for the American league. That's the one thing that I noticed as well. Uh, you're going to have some pretty good right-handed bats or left-handed bats in this national league lineup. When you look at Freddie Freeman, Louisa rise, uh, Corbin Carroll, and then even off the bench, like there's a bunch of uh, lefties they can go to, whether it's Ozzy uh, and Soto. So there are gonna also, be some really, yeah. really tough outs. Uh, for righties to get against lefties in that lineup, so I I also favor the National League as well, and and would bet them at anything plus money too.
1: Really quick, um, five of the last six All Star games total has gone uh seven or under, and the total tonight is seven and a half. A part of me Tuesday night it's seven and a half. How do we feel about the total, Cirillo?
0: Yeah, I'm in at 7.3. I would lean to the under. Uh, Park factor in Seattle is about 14% below the major league average. So if you were playing in a league average park, this total would be eight and a half. But because we're in a pitcher's park, you see it at seven and a half. Um, You know, generally speaking with all the all-star games, I like to lean under because you're getting a new pitcher every inning. So you're not getting that second time through the order, third time through the order splits that you typically get. The managers have plenty of arms available so if any pitcher gets in trouble first and second no out you're immediately going to see somebody getting warm and looking to come in behind them so yeah there's you know almost no situation where you're going to have a pitcher trying to pitch through trouble and you also have all of these elite arms coming in on top of it maxing out for an inning what have you so yeah unless like one guy blows up uh it's hard to imagine this total going over it's you know it's going to take one pitcher in particular completely imploding and probably getting left out there too long to get this over potentially going to extras i i believe we'd have the runner on second base and extras so if this was 3-3 going to extras i'd certainly be sweating but uh beyond that yeah I, I always lean under in the all-star game and uh if this got to plus money even minus 105 under seven i'd certainly bet it but it looks like it's going the other way you know towards minus 115 minus 120 which i think is correct
1: yeah you know the candidate was to blow up was elder who pitched the other day he's probably the one yeah. guy based on how we've you know or not we you have all most of you have bet against him um, in his starts. And then, you know, three solo bl- home runs later in the first inning. Um, <laughs> go ahead, DeBundo.
2: I think Gonsolin blew up last year, right? And it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a We had a, I remember McClanahan gave up a couple runs early, but then it was – the American League came back, and it was Tony Gonsolin, who we talked about all year, was kind of like a fraud all-star and wasn't as good as his numbers. And he blew up in the all-star game too. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just really hard given the pitching quality. Uh, especially since not every pitcher will get used. And you have to think that Thompson and and Baker know (laughs) who the worst guys on their lineups are. And they're probably not going to see the game uh, in the, in the situation.
0: I'd actually be curious, you know, to go back, like I'm looking at the box score from last year, two runs in the bottom of the first three runs on the top of the fourth, no runs in any other happening in the game. I'm curious Uh, if you go back. through those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm curious if you go back through other iterations of the all-star game, especially the past few years, how many half innings ended scoreless, right? Like how many of the runs were responsible to individual pitchers? I'd imagine it was very few happenings where we had scoring. So as Anthony said, if you get a live under, if there's a bunch of early scoring, we get a live under nine and a half, certainly get a pounce on that. If I get a live under nine, going to love that too. You know, if it's getting closer to the middle of the game and you can still get that live under seven and a half and there's been some early scoring, say so it's two, one, In the fourth inning, you get that live under seven and a half still, I think I'd be interested at that point. So, yeah, you know, looking for live angles, but certainly if I could get it over nine and a half, nine, uh, that's probably where my interest would be peaked. All right. Uh, Just in terms of MVP, I just want to talk real quick. Low scoring game, higher probability that a pitcher might get the award. So, potentially, the guys starting the game may go two innings. You know, they're the only pitchers who are going to have probably the ability to go two innings, and sometimes we do see – the manager run them out there for their second inning. So take a look at the two starting pitchers, potential MVPs, unless the managers confirm they're not going more than one inning. The other thing I'll mention is guys who are going to be starting and may get that second or third plate appearance. You know, you typically see the guys coming off the bench for the late inning, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, get one plate appearance. So a guy like Luis Arise, who might hit second, get three plate appearances because he's in there to hit. He's not in there to field. I think might interest me if Arise goes two or three in a low scoring game, he has a chance to get the award. So, uh, yeah, you know, a guy who's high probability of putting the ball in play, I think interests me. And then maybe even a guy like Corbin Carroll, who is likely to steal bases make some good defensive plays. I think he might interest me as well.
1: All right. Excellent. Thank you all for tuning in again. Apologies for some, uh, not the greatest audio, but again, we're all together in parts unknown trying to pull off this podcast. So thanks for your patience. Uh, payoff pitch, we are tuning into the Action Network podcast. I realize that if you were looking for payoff pitch and you did find us, payoff pitch returns on Friday. So we will be back in action as the second half resumes after the break. Payoff pitch, regularly scheduled payoff pitch on Friday morning. So you can find us there. In the meantime, I look forward to sweating out these bets in person with some of these uh, baseball players analysts from Action Network. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, for Debundo, Zarillo, and who, you know, who knows who else shows up. Uh, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for tuning in to the Action Network podcast for presented by FanDuel. Enjoy the home run derby. Enjoy the All-Star game. And if you're looking for payoff pitch, we're back on Friday. See ya.